now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello, good morning. I'm Ali Bally. This is Scotland's Talking. Well, are you ready for another general election? Boris Johnson's again hoping to trigger one tomorrow after failing to secure enough votes on Wednesday. MPs say they'll block it again. I think it's the most sensational paradox. Never in history has there been an opposition party that has been given the chance to have an election and has turned it down. I, if I may say so, I think that they're making a, an extraordinary political mistake. But how do you feel about going back to the polls? Also this morning, is it OK to drink during pregnancy? Research has been published this week where 40% of expectant mums in Scotland admit to having alcohol. Dr Neve Fitzgerald led it. We know that women find it difficult to tell midwives that they're drinking in pregnancy, so we get very low rates of women disclosing consumption in pregnancy. But when we ask women after they've been pregnant if they were drinking when they were pregnant, we get a lot higher levels of disclosure. Um, so there's a gap there. What's your experience? Do you think guidelines are clear enough? And trans people are this week claiming their human rights have been breached by plans to change the gender question on the census in Scotland. They'll have to declare the sex they're born as. Is that fair? Or should they be able to identify as whatever gender they live as now? And I'm sure there'll be a couple of other subjects we'll squeeze in as well. This is Scotland's Talking Music and Conversation for a Sunday morning. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. So here we are uh, a week on, <clears throat> excuse me, we're a week on uh, from last week. And are we any further forward? The world of politics. As I was saying yesterday on the programme, and you would be talking about this today, surely it has, it has to be. Um, the whole political situation that uh, we've had Boris Johnson saying that he didn't want an election and now he does. And Jeremy Cormer saying he did want an election and now he doesn't. It's just crazy. Absolutely. But are you ready for an early general election? On Wednesday, the Prime Minister tried to trigger a snap poll, which was voted down by MPs. And on Monday, that's tomorrow, He'll try again to do the same thing with a similar outcome expected. The whole point is so Boris Johnson can deliver Brexit without delay on October the 31st or give the country a choice to see somebody else step in and keep us in Europe beyond the deadline. And this is where I get sort of lost on it because, you know, whatever you voted, never mind what I voted or what anybody else voted... The, the vote was, as the UK, that we come out. And there are so many people in the Houses of Parliament just ignoring that. And among those failing to back an election this week was Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn, which Boris Johnson said he found curious. I think it's the most sensational paradox. Never in history has there been an opposition party that has been given the chance to have an election and has turned it down. If I may say so, I think that they're making a, an extraordinary political mistake. But it's their decision. They don't want to have an election. They don't want to move this thing forward. Fine. We will get a deal on October the 17th, 18th. And then we'll come out of the EU. But that will be the beginning of a process in which we start a new partnership with our European friends. Plus, we look to new opportunities 
around the world. Clearly, there's a there's a, a, a contest going on to make sure that we come out of the EU on October the 31st, and there are, there are people in Parliament who plainly want to to block that, and uh, that includes uh, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, the SNP. Uh, I think they're wrong. I think the people of this country want us to to get on and do it. Now, I said to them, OK, uh, you want to have these endless, pointless delays. I don't think the people of this country want that. Let's try an election. They've said no to that, which is curious. Um, they don't trust the people. Uh, they don't want an election. OK. Uh, I, perhaps it is that they don't think that they will win. Fine. Uh, I'll go to Brussels. I'll get a deal and we'll make sure we come out on October the 31st. That's what we've got to do. Well, SNP's Westminster leader Ian Blackford's also been giving us his views on calls for an election. He claims the reason it isn't getting support is because nobody trusts the Prime Minister. Boris Johnson doesn't have the majority in Parliament, so the idea that he's coming with a motion to try and force an election, having lost one this week, is insane. It is a wee bit like Theresa May with the, with, the, with the meaningful vote. He is not going to compel parliamentarians to give him a mandate to determine the timing. We don't trust him. This is a man that has taken three Privy Councillors, gone to see the Queen and has sh- is shutting down Parliament for five weeks. Why would we trust him? There's no reason why we should do so. We'll determine the timing of this not Boris Johnson. But there's been great unanimity this week. We've all acted together with a number of Conservative MPs. It's been a huge week because we're going to have an Act of Parliament that is going to compel the Prime Minister to seek an extension. You know, I think what's really important is that working together that we have stopped that no-deal threat at the end of October. So is now a good time for a general election? Would you be happy about going to the back to the polls and going early? Uh, what do you think about Boris Johnson seemingly changing his stance on it, having claimed before becoming Prime Minister that it's something he wouldn't do? And what do you think about the opposition knocking back the chance of one? Can you keep up with all this Brexit uh, stuff that's going on? Where we are now, what do you think we should be doing? What should your MP, who no doubt might be listening to the programme today, what should they be doing? Are they doing what you want them to do? Should we just be getting on with this? They've had three years, and what was it, three or four votes already. They they got a deal. Theresa May got a deal. And now they're saying they don't want no deal. They want a deal. But they had a deal, and they voted no. So how long can this be kept going on? What are your thoughts? 033-2020. 401 is the number. Where we are at the moment, what would you do? What do you think should be done? 033 2020 401, that's the phone number. Emails, if you want to send an email, it's ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Let me know what you think. Derek has uh, sent me an email and he says, I am seriously concerned that if Prime Minister Boris Johnson ignores the law, and allows the UK to crash out of the EU, then the likelihood of civil unrest is heightened. His bully boy tactics are detrimental to the future prosperity of this country. Regardless of my own political views, I have never known British politics to be in such a disarray. Very true, Derek. Very, very true. Um, it's, disarray is, is rather a polite word, to put it. Um, and was was 
the Prime Minister correct in firing, basically, uh, big names who wouldn't toe the line. Um, is that right? I mean, he's, you know, he said, well, I told you this would happen. If you didn't vote with me, uh, you're no good to me. Um, and you won't be able to stand as a Conservative in the general election. Was that the right way to go? Or is that really bully boy tactics? Or was he just showing some leadership? Some of those that have gone, I'm sure, um, many will think to themselves, well, didn't know you were there in the first place. But, you know, it's it's an MP that is gone. They're still serving officers, they're still allowed to vote. But if a general election was was called next week, those 22, 23 people would not be allowed to stand for the Conservative Party. That would seem to me Boris Johnson shooting himself in the foot. But... Um, I'm not sure. What are your thoughts? I'd love to hear from you if you're a Conservative. Where do you stand at the moment? Do you agree with what the action that Boris has been taking or do you not? What are are your thoughts? 033-2020-401. That's the number if you'd like to join us. Jonathan says on an email, as a young Scot who voted for independence in 2014 and still would and voted to leave in the 2016 EU referendum, and still would, I really feel as if my vote, especially in the 2016 referendum, doesn't count if the result is not what the establishment wants. I'm also greatly disappointed that the main parties that wanted a general election, especially Labour, decided to chicken out of pushing for a general election when they had the chance. This just goes to show that they're the real undemocratic dictators just somewhat unlike Boris Johnson. Overall, I am ready for a general election, hopefully bringing on the Brexit party. Uh, A poll on Twitter revealed that 68% of people wanted a general election compared to the other 32%. So it's not just the Brexiteers who are disappointed. Thank you, Jonathan, for that. Uh, Is it Marie or Marie? Marie. Marie, Marie, Marie. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Good, good, good. Your thoughts this morning? My thoughts on this are, Great Britain is now the laughing stock of the world. I'm absolutely disgusted. Since I was old enough to know what votes were about, I voted Conservative, because they at least kept us out of debt, whereas Labour just spends money, money, money. And quite frankly, the present head of the Labour Party is a traitor. He supported IRA. The young ones today don't know enough about the IRA to appreciate what it was all about. And quite frankly, Boris Johnson did say when he stood that he would be out on the 31st, deal or no deal. He made no secret of it. So why all the hoo-ha now? Well, you're saying when he stood, but that was when he was standing as... um candidate for the leader of Conservative Party. So it wasn't just indeed members of the Conservative Party that had a vote for him to, to get in there. Um, so it's not, what I'm saying is not everybody had a chance to vote him in or not vote for him in. Um, yes, but, but the people who vote him in turned on him. And right. I think it's quite right. 
in saying they can't vote, they would be out of the party. But to be very honest, I hope they are out. I mean, I think it's absolutely disgusting mm-hmm. the way it's been treated. I also think that David Cameron actually started all this. He ran for the hills because he was a Remainer and he never thought in his wildest dream that we would vote for out. So where do you, you said, did you say you voted Conservative all your life or, or the majority of it? You're a, conserv- yes. you're a Conservative. Are yes, you, are you a member? Some of, I've campaigned for them. I'm a, part, I'm a paid party right. member. Okay. But okay. I won't be paying it next year. I was going to say, where do you feel you're at now? I just feel that I'm not going to bother voting at all. Would that not then be playing into the hands of other parties? I mean, I, I, I've read predictions that uh, the Conservative Party in, in, in a, an election could be wiped out in Scotland. Um, I don't know if I follow that totally uh, or agree with it, but um, if, if a Conservative supporter like yourselves decides not even to vote then surely you're playing into the hands of the opposition. No, I don't think so. I think an awful lot of people's not going to bother voting. Right, OK. I might vote for the Brexit party if they stood. OK. So you swap. You'd, would that be more of a protest vote than anything else? It would. And who would you like to see as leader of the Scottish Conservatives with um, that vacancy? Well, quite from... I'm very disappointed in Ruth Davidson. Okay, she said she resigned because of her son, but men have to carry on working whether they've got families or not. And she always wanted to be equal. As I say, I think she picked the wrong time. And have you got a favourite to take over? No, I haven't. Not a name comes to mind? Yeah, Alistair Jack's very good. Right. He's made great progress in the party, and he thinks the right way. Interesting. OK. One other question I want to, to put to you, just as an aside, because I was going to bring this up if there was time today, and I just wonder, mm-hmm. wonder how you feel about this. Um, there's a row going on about how to tackle the drugs problem, not only in Scotland, but in the UK. And those in the health um, system in the Scottish Government, basically, um, have decided to try and get together. Uh, Holyrood's Public Health Minister, I think that's his full title, Joe Fitzpatrick, told MSPs a couple of days ago he had invited representatives of the UK government to attend a planned summit on the issue. An issue, surely, because I know we've talked about it so many times on this programme, the drugs issue is something that should be concerning any politician, whether they be Scottish, English or whatever, but the UK drug problem. But they were invited to take part, your party in, in Westminster, and they've said, no, we don't want to take mm. part in that. Is that... Do you not a bit disappointed with what they're doing? No, I'm not. Quite frankly, I think methadone is a complete waste of time. It doesn't help solve the drug problem. And they also throw money at the druggies, whereas I would cut it off. OK, thank you very much indeed, Marie. There you are, giving us her views. I did ask uh, for, I'd like to hear from a Conservative, so got a couple of her, her points there as a Conservative at the moment. Um, the number again, if you'd like to join us, 0333 You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. 
Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin. Calling us now is Fred. Fred, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. It's a long time no see. Speak. It, it certainly is. Yes. So, what do Enjoy you think myself about too much? In... Yes, Ali. I, 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 uh, what I would like to see, Ali, is seventeen million people voted to leave. Um, the democracy in this country is growing into an area where I'm extremely disappointed that we are going through all this mess just now, upsetting many people, whether it's ordinary people like myself, businesses, whatever. Um, I think Boris, sadly, has been boxed into a corner through no fault of his own, including his own crew members. Um, I'm disappointed that when you sack someone, they should not be able to vote anymore, no any more than if you sacked a manager in a business, then they couldn't come in next week and run the staff. They are sacked. End of story until they go and uh, stand independent, whatever, that's their choice. I'm a wee bit disappointed in the last caller saying she would never vote for Conservative again. Everybody has a choice and she's entitled to it. But I think really that the main factor is that Brexit means Brexit means the 31st, so to speak. Boris should be talking to Farage. Let's get the, the leave deal done for the 17 million people and get rid of all this carry-on and then let's concentrate on if the people want an election to see who they want to now take the country uphill and back to a Great Britain. I don't want to see England, the splits going on. I don't want the possibility of Nicola Sturgeon taking advantage because I think the Scots people would really gravely regret any mistakes that they make in in this situation they are all experiencing just now. It is a horrible situation. It's dragged on. And I just feel, Ali, same as everybody else, let's get attended. I think that, I think that do... seems to be coming through with many people, isn't it? That we won't, uh-huh. you yes. know, when, when we, you know, when Theresa May said, right, I give up. Um, you know, <laughs> I've, I've tried and it's not working, so I'll step aside and let someone else take over. Uh, Boris, not everybody's cup of tea, not everybody's, uh, not everyone yes. voted for him, but the, the, the way the system is, they, they voted him in and he says, here's what will happen when I, if I take over as prime minister. And he's just not, uh-huh. be, he's not been allowed to do it. I mean, I'm hearing what you're saying about you want to get yes. on, on with it, but we're now in another stalemate situation. Yeah, as I say, Ali, I'm pretty sure that if he was to speak to... Farage is only interested in one thing, exactly the same as what Boris' is intention is, is to come out of the Euro, deal or no deal, uh, on the 31st, so to speak. That's the date. So that's the only interest Farage has. So why doesn't he join ranks and speak to Farage? Look what his members have been doing. They've been crossing the, the government to the Liberals, they've been uh, walking out right, left and centre, including his own brother, but there you go. So why doesn't he now do the same and say, right, my, I want to, to still do this 31st if I can't get a deal. That's what the people have screamed for. Join forces with Farage in the understanding if Farage disappears, so to speak, and Boris carries on, uh, Farage disappears after we come out, and uh, Boris either calls an election for the people, and then let's get on with that and let's get the country back to where it should be. OK, Fred, thank you very much indeed for your views. It's all about opinions. That's Fred's. Willie, what's yours? Good morning. Hello, Ali. Uh, basically, it's straightforward. This isn't a, a national problem. This is a 
conservative problem. The conservatives have brought this on themselves from Cameron onwards, uh, Cameron conceding a, a, a referendum to the, his right wing, thinking that he could sweep them aside and, mm. and get them uh, back in line. Uh, badly backfired, and the country is now suffering the consequences of a, a bad Tory government. But basically what I wanted to speak to you about was, was some of the comments of Marie. You, you left her totally unchallenged when she said that Jeremy Corbyn was a traitor to this country. You should have asked her what proof she has that Jeremy Corbyn is a traitor to Great Britain. This goes on day in and day out. Ex-soldiers, all over social media people claim Jeremy Corbyn is a traitor to this country. But I have yet to have a cogent argument with anyone who supplies facts behind that. In this past, Jeremy Corbyn spoke to members of the Republican movement from Ireland to help achieve the Good Friday Agreement. And if that makes him a traitor in some people's eyes, well, I'm very, very sorry about that. But it, it becomes... It's a myth created by the right-wing media and it's pulled out every time Jeremy Corbyn... I'm not a great fan of Jeremy Corbyn, but it's a disgrace that the man has to... that, that, that we can't have a political argument in this country without calling someone a traitor. Mm-hmm. Right. OK, point taken. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's one of the... You get that quite often, don't you, that... Um, when someone has a, a something they've been labelled as, then that's picked up. Um, and there was a couple of things that she said there that I thought uh, I, well, I, I, I personally I mean, disagree. I never, I never ever thought I would be on your station saying something to, to, to about um, the the Ruth Davidson, but but I actually thought that Marie was about to say she wanted to be treated like a man. She should act like a man. I mean, a ridiculous comment in this day and age. Davidson, okay, she had masses of faults, but she chose. She has chosen her child before her career, and that is condemned by Tories like Marie. That, that, that in itself speaks. And her, but equally, and her, so and her, you've, you've just said Ruth Davidson had masses of faults. That's in yes, your. That's in your. That's yeah. in your opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, if if you had a five-hour program, I might be able to just mention some of them. But the the other thing, I mean, the, the telling thing for me was a, a reaction about druggies that she called them, uh, withdraw all funding, take away all support. I mean, how is that going to solve a problem that is? been within our society now for over 40-odd years. I mean, it's just... just Leave them... To, basically, I don't know what she what she intends with that. Just leave leave druggies to go on with it. Or leave leave these, these people to go on with it. And you will then see real chaos. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, to be fair, when she started going on about withdrawing uh, funding and and stopping methadone, that you know that that was nonsense to me. So you know that that again. Yeah. Um, 
I, you know, I, I was I asking a, a reasonable question. I think she'd had enough time as far yeah. as I was concerned. I, I, and I, I was asking the question because, um, and, and, you know, it wasn't something that she came on to talk about. But as a conservative, um, she, I just wanted her feeling as to why and how she felt about the Conservative government in London turning down the opportunity to get together with the Scottish government and try and find a solution to this drug problem. Uh, It's not just across Scotland, it's across the UK. But here we have a situation that she, you know, they've said no. In fact, the the Home Secretary didn't even reply to the invitation um, to from Joe Fitzpatrick to take part in the talks. And and I think that's, you know, I'm interested in what Conservative um, members and in Scotland think of that. Here we have a situation, it's probably one of the biggest epidemics that's going on in the country at the moment, uh, drug deaths, and yet they're not interested in taking part in the talks. Because it's, it's the, the, the mindset in Westminster is, if it comes from the SNP, it's bad. We, we don't want to speak to them. They're bad people. That's, that's all it is. They don't want any kind of cooperation with the SNP on any, any front because then... They have to admit, perhaps they've got a certain legitimacy. Mm. OK, Willie, good to hear from you again. Thank you very much indeed. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? Good, thank you. Good, good. Well, that's a lie. I'm not good at all. I'm feeling rotten. (laughs) Anyway, right, on you go. On you go. You you sound like a man that could be doing with a nice hot toddy. Absolutely. I tried that last night and it's not worked. (laughs) Well, no, I wanted to be able to at least talk today. <laughs> right, John, what uh, have we got? Uh, yes, first of all, I would like to say, Ali, that if we had won the independence vote, we wouldn't be in this mess. But we, we didn't. We'd be sitting back. We didn't, come but, on. But we, did. but we didn't, but if we did, if we did, we wouldn't be in this mess, Ali. We wouldn't have spent millions upon millions of pounds in MPs' wages, standing in the House of Commons, abusing their position by sitting there, constantly arguing about something they haven't got an answer for, and making lots and lots of money into the bargain. Let's not forget that. Now, the situation we've got now is we've got a Prime Minister who is the third, I think, brought in without a vote by the the public. And he is basically turning around and saying, I'm going to do what I want today, and the rest of you can go and watch yourself. Now, what should have happened, Ali, was on the 27th of last month, when the country voted to leave, we should have said, we're going. Now, I know that's what he wants to do now, but it shouldn't have been done now. At the start, if Theresa May had stood up with a bit of heart and a bit of soul in her and said, look, seeing the 27th of the month, we're away. If you want to come and talk to us, come and talk to us and we'll negotiate something. But she didn't. She went cap in hand and says, oh, we'll give you this and we'll pay that and we'll pay this and we'll pay that. Pay nothing. Get out. Go. If that's what you were going to do, but they didn't do it. So democracy went up in the air. 
because it didn't suit the MPs at the time, it didn't suit Parliament, so they never done it. So as far as I'm concerned, anything that happens in the Commons now is a sham, because they, they didn't do what they were told to do, Ali. But surely, you, you know, you, you're saying Boris is, is uh, a bully and etc. these names that you're calling him. Um, but he, he is trying to do what he said he would do when he stood for the position in the Conservative Party as the leader. Yes, but I, I think it should never have went to that stage. Yeah, I agree. I, OK, that's, that's fine, but it has. They should have been sacked and put out, and uh, yes, it has, and I think they've made another mistake. They've made another blunder, even they're admitting it, that they've made a blunder. I personally think that they put Boris Johnson in as Prime Minister, hoping there was going to be a next uh, another election. They would lose it, get rid of the mess of go and hand it over to Labour to deal with. That's my personal opinion. Because the man's a buffoon. If you go back to the, the Heathrow carry-on in the runway, I'll be there, I'll lie in front of the planes, was the man's statement. Until it came to a vote and he was out of the country. No, Ali, that's not the type of guy you want representing you anywhere. OK, John, leaving it there, I'm going to squeeze in Eric. Eric, good morning to you. Morning, Ali, how are you? I'm OK. Right, what's good. your thoughts? Um, there was a programme on BBC Scotland on Tuesday. Um, I was regarding Dundee's a drugs uh, death capital of Europe. Right. I don't know if you're aware of that. I, I, I am aware of it, and I missed that programme. I was going to watch it, oh, but I, I missed do, it. Do you do on uh, Catch Up? Yeah, will uh, do. Yeah. Right. Right. Look, the problem we've got is that Dundee's been through in a really bad light here after the attempts to get Dundee on its feet and, and doing a lot of things. This programme was ridiculous. It should never been aired. This Darren McGarvey is seemingly is going to Aberdeen next. Now, the problem we've got is that we never created the problem. Um, we didn't want a problem to happen. We didn't want these people to suffer the consequences of taking drugs, but they take the drugs. And there's £3.5 billion a year. Um, when is somebody actually going to take this issue on? Well, that's, that was the point that I was making. Here we have Joe Fitzpatrick, the health minister, or, or, or whatever his title was. Sorry, I've forgotten it again. Um, he is trying to take it on, and he's trying to get the UK government involved as well. And I found it quite amazing that they said, no, we don't want to take part in these talks. Somebody has why to do something. It's been going on for years. Why do they want to spend £3.5 billion a year and in our society out here? I actually live in a Lockheed area. And to be honest with you, the interviewed people here in Lockheed and in, in, in Birkhoff Cemetery, it was ridiculous that this programme even got aired, in my opinion. And what I've done to Dundee was not a very good, nice thing. There's a lot of great people in Dundee. Unfortunately, like any other place, we've got problems with certain people that take drugs. As many other cities do as well. Um, Eric, I'm going to leave it there, but I take your point and I only want to try and get uh, some more calls in. Thank you for raising that, and it's one that we can keep going. If you've got a, a comment on that, 033 2020 401.
So asking the question, are you ready for an early general election? Various different comments coming in on social media as well. Give Boris a chance. He may be the man to make this country great again, says Tricia. Uh, Boris et al. are fully aware that it is the working classes who won't bother voting in yet another election, leaving the mainly rich and privileged and the wannabe Tory voters to rush to the polling booths and secure another term. To not vote would be a grave error indeed. Thank you for that. And uh, who was that one from? That was from Liz. Bill says, good morning, Ali. OK, let's have a general election. Will this CS leave on October the 31st? I very much doubt it. I believe the majority of MPs in Westminster are retainers and would like to stop Brexit. They're not representing the wishes of their constituents. We voted to leave. Let's get on with it. Bill? Thank you. Ian, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. I've been listening to the show and I can't believe that a previous caller is trying to blame the Tories for getting us into the mess that we're in. The Parliament at Westminster is to blame for the mess. It's a cross-party mess. Mm -hmm. Cameron gave us a referendum. He didn't get the result that he hoped for but he got ready for Raj as far as he was concerned. And Parliament has failed to carry through the wishes of that referendum. Farage has now come back on the scene. And for Mr Corbyn and company, and I'm not a Tory voter, but if I was in a constituency and I voted to leave the EU and my MPs not helping us get there, I think there are going to be a lot of shocks if there's a general election. Do do you think the the public are um, what you're saying then is that if if someone has voted to leave and their MSP or MP has not voted uh, in that way, MPs have not voted in that way. You, you think that the at the polling booth, the the voters will take revenge? Do you? Especially in English constituencies where they were very clearly wanting out of the EU. Mm -hmm. Now, it came out this morning that prior to all these brave heroes in Westminster last week blocking the New Deal, they'd already a meeting with the EU to guarantee a further extension before they pushed their necks out. Right. Which I find hilarious. Mm. But Farage is coming back. Farage has disappeared. Cameron succeeded in putting Farage to bed. And that, that was the main reason they held the... Yes, election, correct. Yeah, yeah. That's right. People can't see that. Mm-hmm. What they've got now is you've got a double-headed, so, a double-edged sword coming at everybody because Farage will go after the seats, especially Labour seats, that voted to... The constituencies that voted to leave must be really sickened by their Labour MPs. And this uh, claim from the Lib Dems that we are no longer the party that was in coalition. That's a great joke for the Christmas crackers this year. But they all knew, Boris Johnson voted in a couple, two, three weeks ago. It's amazing how many MPs that didn't vote for him have suddenly moved out. But Ken Clark's own constituency party said Johnson was right to throw him out. And I'm not a Tory voter. Yep, yep, I, I did see that. Yeah, I was watching the interview. And when that comes out, you know, 
Ken Clark, no matter how convincing your argument is for leaving Europe, for 40 years that man has, bo- has been he's standing against a hurricane. He will not waver that Europe's the best for us. What gives that man the wisdom and the power to make that decision? At the end when of the, the he's own, at the end of the day, so know, it's, just, yeah, it's just his opinion, isn't it? I'm sorry, Ian, I'm going to have to leave it there. I've got to go to the news. We'll take more of your calls, of course, after the top of the hour. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. And we'll continue taking your calls regarding the situation in politics and also, of course, the emails and Twitter and everything else as well. Here's uh, one coming in on text. Uh, from Phil, all this clamour for a general election, he says, has nobody thought of the possibility of a hung parliament like the last time? What would happen then? Would the Prime Minister resign? And if so, who would take over from him? Michael Gove? Jacob Rees-Mogg? The saying is true. Be careful what you wish for. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Who else have we got here? Uh, Irene says, Boris is correct, and I support this gentleman. Okay, thanks for that. And I'm a Labour voter, this one says on text, and I agree with what Boris is doing. Thank you. Um, so keep the comments coming in. Here's the ways you can get in touch. You can text 61054, start your message with Ali. Um, hashtag Scotland's Talking on Twitter. And, of course, the phone lines are there. We'd love to hear from you. That's why we call it the Talking or treble 3 2020 Also, would like to, to talk about uh, another subject, and that is, when you were pregnant, did you drink? Well, more than 40% of expectant mums have admitted to having alcohol in a study by Edinburgh and Stirling University. That's despite the fact that official guidelines say there's no safe level of consumption other than not to touch it at all. The research was led by Dr Neve Fitzgerald, who tells us a bit more about the findings. We know that women find it difficult to tell midwives that they're drinking in pregnancy, so we get very low rates of women disclosing consumption in pregnancy. But when we ask women after they've been pregnant if they were drinking when they were pregnant, we get a lot higher levels of disclosure. Um, so there's a gap there where when people are actually there in the consultation, they don't feel very comfortable um, if they're asked a direct question, yes or no, are you drinking? alcohol now. Midwives really had kind of three strategies for helping women to feel comfortable telling them about drinking in pregnancy. So the first thing is that they took a really positive tone so they were supportive and tried to make women feel comfortable and not judged. And the second thing is that they felt it was better to use normal language, local language. So for example West of Scotland language if you're based in the West of Scotland um, not formal questions, formal kind of medicalised questions. And the third thing was that they felt it was better to start by asking women about whether they were drinking before they were pregnant, what was their normal drinking habit before they got pregnant and then sort of take them through in an informal way um, through when they found out they were pregnant and through to the to the current consultation time and uh, and have a chat about drinking over that period. And that in doing that, they felt that women were more likely to sort of uh, feel comfortable telling them about perhaps difficulties in cutting down, maybe more so than they would have expected or um, more accurate memories of what they were actually drinking while they were pregnant than just a simple question. There's no evidence that can tell us 
any sort of cutoff point that is safe. So we can't say if you drink this much, your baby will definitely be safe. So if you want to be 100% sure that you won't harm your baby from drinking, the only thing that you can do is not drink at all. Having said that, the risk increases with the amount that people drink. And I suppose what we're really concerned about um, to an even greater degree is where people really struggle to cut down by themselves. Well, Sally Saunders is the editor of Mother and Baby magazine and says it's not a topic she's covered a lot and was quite taken aback by the findings from the research this week. I was really surprised by this. I think there are lots of um, messages out there that tell us what we should and shouldn't be doing. It's something that we try to support women with very much in the magazine and I'm now wondering whether it is something that we should be looking at a a lot more. It's really interesting research. The reality is that probably having one or two drinks before, you know, a couple of drinks before you find out isn't going to make a big difference to your baby. But if we're talking about, you know, heavy sustained drinking, then I think that's a really different thing. And I think it's something that it's really good that it's we're becoming aware of it and that it's something that we can, you know, potentially help women with. There's now a massive industry in, you know, alcohol-free drinks, whether that's um, alcohol-free fizz or, you know, gin that doesn't have any booze in it, whatever it is that we're talking about, there's a massive industry in that now. You don't just have to have a Diet Coke when you go out or, a, you know, a flat lemonade. There's, there's way more to it than that. And you can have some really lovely, you know, enjoyable drinks. But there's also much more about why are we actually drinking when we're pregnant? What's what's that about? What's the reasons behind it? Is it because of the stress that pregnant women are under? Is it because we don't have any other ways of coping with it? Is it that actually, you know, this is the only way they can see of getting a bit of downtime and relaxation? We'd like to, you know, give ideas for how to relax, how whether that's Simple things like, you know, using lavender to, to kick back when you have a lovely bath or whether it's about spending some time doing what's important to you, the things that you love doing and that give you energy and that help you switch off from the world around you. It's about putting yourself first and helping, you know, giving your baby a good chance as well at the same time so that you can relax, so that your body's full of endorphins and and good things and you feel positive and happy and healthy without having to have a drink. Sally Saunders there, who's editor of Mother and Baby magazine. So if you've been pregnant before, what approach did you take and why? How was it dealt with by midwives, for instance? Were they conversational about it with you? Did you think the guidelines were clear? Were you given any guidelines at all? And those of you who have not been pregnant before, what are your thoughts? You know, do you think uh, the odd glass of wine wouldn't go wrong? Or, or, or have you not really looked into it? But um, again, you know, if you if you have been pregnant and you did have a drink, um, during that time as a, a social drink or did you give it up altogether? What's your thoughts on this? And, and you know, it's, it's quite a, a high level. 40% of expectant mums have admitted to having alcohol while pregnant. O treble three twenty twenty four o one. 
Here's another text that comes in that says, uh, Ali, the problem is that MPs don't seem to realise we voted them into Parliament and we can vote them out. Oh, I think they realise that all right. We voted to leave the EU so they should respect our wishes. They should stop spitting their dummies out and do what the people want. Uh, another one in the powers that be were shocked by the UK voting to leave the EU as it goes against their plan for globalisation and a one-world government. They will make it as difficult as possible to leave, as a warning to other European countries who might follow suit, uh, should they want other countries to join, not leave. OK, thanks for that. Uh, let's go to John. Hi, John. Hi, Ali. Your point, then? My point is, obviously, uh, we're not getting anywhere with the politicians. I think the only way is put it back to the people. Now, I know we had a vote three years ago, but at that stage, nobody knew the consequences. Now, we're positive what the consequences are. Like any organisation, if you decide to leave it, you no longer have a say in how it's run. And that's what happens. If we're leaving uh, Europe, then we don't have any say. And if we ever went back in, we'd have to adopt the euro. The same if we get independence and want to join, we'd need to adopt the euro. And I don't think MD thinks that's a good idea. So I think the only way is to have a vote again and let people... And if the Brexiteers are right that people still want it, then that'll be reflected in the vote. Mm -hmm. And do you think we know right at the moment, though? Do you think we know enough, John, to have another vote? Well, we, we know exactly what's happening. We're not going to have any say in the conditions that we leave with. There's going to be no deal. Mm -hmm. So people did not know that three years ago. They now know that. So they should have the right. I mean, if you vote... A a government in, then, and you're not unhappy with them, you can change that in five years' time. So people over three years, now that we're better informed, we know exactly where we stand with things, should have the right to say. And I'll reinforce it for the Brexiteers if we vote to, to leave. But on the other hand, people have got the option to say, no, now I know the circumstances, I want to change my views, I want to vote to remain. And if we vote to remain, then that's obviously what the people wanted. And do you think if, if that vote, if we were to give the chance to vote again, uh, do you think that should come before a general election or after a general election? Or, or do you not see No, it? I, I think it should come before, because right. uh, if, if you have a general election, I don't think that in itself is going to solve the Brexit issue. So I think we need to know where we stand with the Brexit issue and then of the, the election. If it comes along, it comes along. Right. OK, John, thank you very much indeed. George, hi, how are you doing? Hello, morning, Alex. Excuse me, I've got a bit of a cold. I know the feeling. Yeah, that's Brexit carry on. It's an absolute, absolute circus. I've never seen anything like it in the 60 years on this planet. It is unbelievable. When is this impasse going to go on? It's just ludicrous. I mean, the thing that gets me is these high court challenges. I mean, this person is taking the government to task last week just lost against three judges in a high court. Mm -hmm. But it's going to go on and appeal it to the Supreme Court. I mean, that's incredibly brave, is it? You know what I mean, Ali? You must have money to burn if you can do that. You know what I'm saying? Well, it was the speed in which she announced as she come out of the, the courts that she was going to do that. I thought that has all been obviously planned, you know. It's, it's, oh, absolutely, Ali. It's absolutely. a road that she, she's, she's had, that, her and her supporters have obviously had that, that road planned. 
And right. I, can, I can assure you, I can assure you, so here is the 17th September, I can assure you, and if I'm wrong, I will come on, that she will win that case. Guaranteed. Guaranteed she will win that case. I'm, I'm, I, I, I know it before it's even going to happen. And that's, it's on the 17th September, that's a hearing, it's in the Supreme Court, and she will come out of that court smelling roses, and she's never won it. Why, why, why are you sure so sure? Why are you quite so sure then? Well, right, A, who's got that kind of money to throw about challenging governments in the Supreme Court? You'd have to be pretty confident, would you? Well, you, you must have money to burn. I mean, you've got that much money to burn to spend on lawyers challenging the government. I mean, you've already lost in the High Court. Come on, you know what I mean? It's perfectly obvious to me what's going on there. Obviously, I can't say it because I've not got any concrete proof, mm. but it's obvious what's going on. Obvious to any anybody that's got half an insight as to what's going on there. Nobody has got millions of pounds to throw at lawyers. Uh, but not half a million pounds the last time it cost her. But she didn't have to pay a penny because she won her case. So the government picked up the tab. She's going to win that case and the government's going to pick up the tab again. It's obvious what's going to happen. I don't believe for one second that that person in any way is working independent. I don't believe that for a second. And there's nobody who's going to convince me otherwise. Well, being trusted... 17th of September, Supreme Court, she'll win that case, guaranteed. I'll be in touch, all the best. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, George. Thanks for that. Uh, Elizabeth has been in touch and she says, uh, when I was pregnant, that was a fairly stressful time. And yes, occasionally I had a couple of glasses of wine to ease me at night. Didn't do the children any harm whatsoever. Thanks for that, Elizabeth. Um... So that was a, another question. Did you or would you drink during pregnancy? Let me know. Uh, this week, protests have been taking place outside Holyrood against potential changes to questions in the census. It's all about gender and identity and affects transgender people. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Uh, this week, protests have been taking place outside Holyrood against potential changes to questions in the census. Now, it's all about gender and identity and affects transgender people. So the next census is due in 2021. And instead of trans people ticking the box as they sex, they identify and live their lives as, they could be asked what gender they were born as. And then there would potentially be a separate question about whether they identify now as a different sex. The Holyrood Committee looking into this says it would allow the Scottish Government to gain a better understanding of the population and tailor services. But it's something trans people claim breaches their human rights. And here to tell us a wee bit more about this is James Morton from the Scottish Trans Alliance. James, good morning. Thank you for joining good, us today. Good morning. Thanks uh, for having me. Now, I'm going to try and get to understand this for some of our listeners as well. Uh, you transitioned from female to male around 20 years ago. Yeah, that's right. Tell us about that time for you, what, what it was all about. So it was really distressing for me as a child and adolescent. Uh, I don't know why I ended up with an identity that was male, although I was born female, um, but it was extremely distressing. And the only way that I could find a place of comfort and a, a way of 
living that was bearable was to transition to male. So I've lived my whole adult life as a man. Um, I answer male on all the sort of documents that I, that I have, and uh, and, and uh, I've answered the census in the past saying that I'm male. So it's really concerning to me that there's this attempt to undermine the acceptance of my identity, my, my right to be myself. Mm. Now, you mentioned there that you, you've lived and identified uh, as a man ever since. What challenges have you faced then? So back when I first started my transition, there was very little in the way of legal rights. So you could get uh, fired for being trans, doctors could refuse to treat you. Um, it was a really dark and difficult time. And we've um, taken various court cases, trans people, and won um, rights to be protected, to be respected in our identities. Each of those court cases was, was, was a very hard fight. And it's really important we don't roll things back to a time when trans people had to live in fear. When I started my transition, I was told, don't let anybody know about your past. Mm-hmm. You'll be rejected. You'll like kind of have to start again with, with sort of like kind of nobody knowing that you're trans. Uh, so it's, it's really important that we don't end up with a situation where trans people are in fear again. Did you really feel in fear, though? Did, I mean, when, when you looked at doing this, did, you know, was it a fear within yourself as well as how you would be accepted by friends and family, etc.? That, that must have been fairly worrying. Yeah, I was, I was really terrified. Throughout my teens, I struggled to try and not be trans, to try and deny my sense of myself because I was so scared that I would be rejected, that I would be mocked, that I would be considered deluded. Um, and it's, it's been really progressive over the last 10 years in, in Scotland and it felt like trans people are finally becoming more accepted and being included in society and being respected. But now over the last year, there's been this backlash and it's, uh, it's really scary to see that slipping away. And that's what the protest outside Parliament was about. It was about trying to say, hey, folks, wake up. This, this isn't something minor. This is the start of trans people's rights being, being undermined. And we need, to, we need to hold on to progressive, equal Scotland. I'm just going to go back again. Um, and as I say, I'm just trying to get a, paint the picture here for myself and and my listeners going back 20 years uh James you said you know you tried to deny your, to yourself that you were trans how on earth 20 years ago did you know what trans was at that age well i through through my teens i didn't have that word and that made it really hard to to explain myself to others um, it was only in my late teens that I came across the term transgender in uh, newspaper articles and um, there was the Boys Don't Cry film mm-hmm. and that was quite traumatic because he got raped and murdered for being trans in, the, in, that, in that movie. Um, but uh, nowadays it's easier for people to find the word transgender on, in, on the internet and to see what transitioning involves. So we do have more people coming out as trans than, than we did 20 years ago when it was so much harder to find out about the options. And how do you feel about the potential uh, how, having to declare your birth gender on the next census in Scotland? What, what is difficulty is, does that present for you? So we would like a situation where trans men and trans women can continue to answer with male and female in accordance with how they live their lives and to have a second question that asks you, are you trans? I wouldn't have a problem with saying that I'm trans on the form because I do want the numbers of trans people to be counted and for our demographics to be understood. What I object to is having to write Mr. James Morton, a female. 
uh, that just feels like a complete denial of mm-hmm. my 20 years of, of living in society. Um, so it's it feels like people are trying to claim that this is about um, improving the data quality, but actually it would make it harder to understand trans people's lives if we forced them to, to answer differently from how they actually live. Um, and there's a 5% non-response rate uh, to the census. So having less than half a percent of trans people included in the data the way that respects them doesn't actually affect the general population data in any meaningful way. Right. Yeah, you're right. The Hollywood Committee are saying that looking at this, uh, they, they, they need to know to be able to tailor services. Do you know what that means? Well, if you know that I'm male and that I identify as trans, that you know that my body is not going to necessarily be exactly the same as the average man. Um, so you have the data that you need uh, to tailor any services that, that might be appropriate to me. If you try and force me to say I'm female, then I'm probably going to refuse to do that because it's just so like, kind of distressing to me. And I'm not going to answer that I'm trans because I'm going to feel so uncomfortable with the census. So then you lose my data. Uh, you don't you don't understand sort of like the reality of my life if you try to force me to answer in such a undermining and undignified way. Right. Um, just finally, then you you've given us a, a fairly in depth uh, analysis of where you are at the moment and how things how people treat um, trans people. Has that improved? Is, is, is the situation good at the moment out there? I mean, if, if you said to somebody for the first time you're trans, would you get that an odd look or would you get a, oh, yeah, OK? A couple of years ago, I would have said it was good and getting better. Now it's pretty scary. People feel emboldened to say disgusting things about trans people online and sometimes to our faces. More and more trans people are getting uh, hassled when they try to use the toilet, called like kind of horrible things um, when when they're just trying to go about their life. So actually it feels like a very scary time at the moment to be trans and we're kind of really watching closely how it how it pans out over the next year. The census could be first of many rollbacks on trans rights and um, a real darkening of the day for trans people. So I really hope that people will stand up and say, no, let's live and let live, let's allow trans people dignity such a tiny number of people don't cause any harm to anybody else and showing them a bit of common courtesy is not much to ask. James, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. Thank you. So what do you at home think then? Is it right that transgender people could be forced to reveal their sex at birth even though that is not who they are as people? Or do you think the sex they were born is relevant and needed so the Scottish Government can understand the population and plan their services for the future. Is gender and identity the same thing or not? What are your thoughts on that? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one is the number. If you'd like to give us a comment on text, the text number is six one oh five four. Start your message with Ali. You can email Ali at the greatesthits.co.uk and hashtag Scotland's Talking on Twitter. Uh, do get in touch. Do give us your opinions on that. We'd love to hear from you. Lots of social media uh, comments coming in on the various subjects we've been talking about this morning, and we'll go back to some of them after this. Scotland's Talking, the podcast.
Just looking at some of the comments that are coming in on all the subjects we've been talking about today. Uh, thank you very much indeed for taking the trouble to get in touch through social media. Uh, I'm not going to manage to read them all out, but I'll, I'll have a go at a couple of them here. Here's one from Phil says, I've always regarded transgenderism as controversial and potential minefield. A male turned female applies for a female only job. He, she gets the post. Then the employer finds out the applicant was really male at birth. They fire the employee for lying on their application form. The employee then sues for sexual discrimination. Suddenly, a molehill has become a mountain. The Scottish government are going to have to tread delicately on this one. Phil, thank you very much indeed for your comments. And here's going back to uh, Brexit and politics. Ali, I'm a Scottish nationalist supporter and Brexiteer. I was devastated when we lost the Scottish referendum. I can't understand why we would want to leave the UK, but stay with a group of countries not even in the same landmass. I am behind Boris Johnson in his stance and sorely disappointed with my party of choice, so much so that I may have to change my allegiance. I am against another referendum as I knew what I was voting for then and I haven't changed my mind. Thank you for that. Uh, Drug taking also goes on to say at the end here, drug taking is a choice as alcoholism and obesity. Whatever compels us to make these choices is a personal choice. I'm overweight and get no handouts. I choose to pay a weight loss club to assist me in losing weight. Uh, Good luck with that one. All the best. Um... Avril says on Twitter, alcohol should be zero during pregnancy, but if the the lady cannot cope and cannot resist, more support should be on offer um, to to pregnant mums. Okay, Avril, thank you for that. And uh, one on a different subject altogether. Andrew says, um, I heard on your news this week, uh, the transport minister talking about how much things have improved with the new Queen's Ferry crossing. He has got to be kidding. Should try travelling it every day. Are there any other of your listeners feel the same? It has not improved one iota. Oh, thank you very much indeed, Andrew. I don't travel it every day, but uh, my personal experience has been that uh, coming uh, across it, going from Edinburgh into Fife, even late at night, nine ten o'clock at night, I found long queues. Um, so I understand that um, rush hours is as busy as well. Uh, there must be another solution uh, to it. Um, I noticed also there was a, a an article in this week's Five Free Press, was it? Yeah, and they were saying, has the new fourth crossing made a difference to commuters? So has it. Janet, thank you for your email. And my niece, she says, is a foster carer. And, excuse me, one of her babies was born with fetal alcohol syndrome. Thank goodness she's not too badly affected, but she will have some side effects. uh, Though, And uh, they they did show an experiment of an egg in a cup and a measure of vodka, and in three days it was cooked. Wow. Uh, thank you for that, uh, for your comment there. Um, who else have we got? Mary. Mary says, I'd love to know, going back to politics now, I'd love to know how much has been spent on all this carry-on with Brexit. It must be costing the country a small fortune. 
Okay. Uh, Liz says, I never thought of having any alcohol while pregnant, know only so well how it affects the development of an unborn baby, and couldn't live with myself knowing that I could have done my baby any harm whatsoever. Uh, thank you for that again. And uh, there's another one that I seems to have misplaced at the moment, so apologies for that. Let me just go back here and see if I can find it now. All right, okay, I've lost it. Oh, there's another one, yes. Uh, a gender is a state of being born, male or female. But some people are not happy with the body that they have and want to live their life being in the body they want uh, think a lot has to do with when chromosomes uh, we were born with that affects um, and people are not feel comfortable in the body that they have. Well, again, that's that's their choice, isn't it? And and they will know what they feel about the, their own body. But thanks for that. And here's one that says, women who drink or smoke during pregnancy are clearly putting themselves first before their unborn child. Uh, it's quite selfish. This comes from B. She says, uh, surely for nine months they can kick the habit. Is it worth taking the risk? I always thought a mother would do anything to protect her child. Yeah, but there are mothers who decide they want to drink. There are mother, young mothers, old mothers. I don't know. I was wrong in classifying just young mothers there uh, who smoke when they're pregnant. Um, so, you know, that, and there are those that... Uh, take drugs when they're pregnant. So that's the, the different ways that people look at life, isn't it? Uh, that's it for Scotland's talking today. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Uh, thanks to James Morton from the Scottish Trans Alliance for coming on and telling us his part as well. Talking about uh, drinking, uh, Dr. Nee Fitzgerald had all these facts and came up with that 40% of women uh, have been having drinks when, admit to having drinks uh, when they're pregnant. Uh, so thanks to her for that. And also thanks to Sally Saunders, editor of Mother and Baby magazine. If you missed any of Scotland's talking today, you can go onto the station website and download the podcast. It'll be there from tomorrow morning.